Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Life Church this morning. Now, we are so glad that you're here. Who's excited to be in the house of God this morning? Come on. My name is Matt, Pastor Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Life Church along with my wife, Tanya. We get to serve with pastors Mike and Ev. And we're seeing some new faces here this morning. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us this morning. We pray that you would experience the abundant presence of God. We pray that you, your life would be changed this morning. We are here to glorify his name. And as Life Church, we are here actually to care for and bring people to Jesus. And, and that's what we're all about. And so we're so glad that you've chosen to join us. Just wanted to mention, if this is your first time, we'd love to connect with you uh, and, and follow up. And if you'd like to fill out a Connect card there at the Connect desk, that would be wonderful. And then we'd be able to follow up with you, check in on you, and, and see how you're doing as well. Love to be able to do that. Okay, well, this morning, without any further ado, um, we are going to be continuing our sermon series. When Tanya and I and the leadership began to pray into uh, this next season as we came back into White Rock Christian Academy, we began to pray and say, God, what is it that you want to say to us? What is it that you want to call us to in this next season? And there was this theme that kept coming back to us. And it was this theme of, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm calling you back to your first love. And in this season, what we're going to be focused on, church, is the movement and the, and the pursuit of the presence of God, of going after the things of God and coming back into our first love. How many know that romance sometimes needs to be rekindled? The spark needs to be relit sometimes, right? It just, it just needs to happen. There's, some, there's some, some things that we need to do sometimes that are, you know, um, intentional to set those things up. You know, that what happens is as human beings, we tend to drift from our original place. We tend to go uh, away from our original place, but that God calls us back in. Where does this idea come from? Where does this first love idea come from? It comes from the Bible, and we're going to read the passage this morning. How we're going to approach this is we're going to read the passage, uh, which is kind of the, the, the theme of this, of this series. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, and then this morning we're going to get very practical. And we're going to talk about a practical way that we believe God has provided for us to rekindle the romance with Jesus. Amen? Somebody look at the person beside you and say, rekindle. Rekindle. We're going to rekindle the romance with Jesus. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 is where we're going to turn today. And the context here is this is Jesus giving seven letters to seven churches. By the way, just a little preview, about three weeks from now, we're going to actually dive into each one of these letters, and we're going to spend some time studying them. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but for the time being, we're going to use this as kind of a launch point to dive into this particular section of the series. So, uh, Revelation chapter 2, and uh, starting in verse 2, and we're going to read all the way through to verse 4. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and read all the way through to verse 5 today, this morning. And then uh, I'm going to comment, we're going to pray, I'm going to comment on that, and we're going to dive into uh, the sermon this morning. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear with those who are evil. I'm sorry, I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. I apologize, that is confusing. I know all the things you do, I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles but are not. You've discovered that they are liars, and you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first 
did. In Revelation 2.4, in the New King James Version, it says it this way. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, I'm just going to read on. It's not up there, but I'm going to go ahead and read on in the New King James Version, because it says this. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is living and active. God, that it is sharper than a two-edged sword. And Father, I pray this morning, God, that you would use me as your vessel to speak your word and declare it. Father, I thank you that your word says that your word will accomplish what it is set out, what it is set out to do, and it will not return void. And so this morning, we pray that it would go into each heart, God, and it would bring change within us, Lord God. We pray that it would draw us closer to Jesus, Lord God, and that our hearts would be tuned to you, Lord God. We lift up our eyes to you, Lord Jesus, and we say, come and have your way. And God, as your vessel, I get out of the way. I say, God, do whatever you want to do this morning. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 So what we see here is an admonition as well as a challenge to the church of Ephesus. Jesus is recognizing that they're doing some things very, very well. But there's one big thing that is missing. And Jesus says to them, you have left. Not not just that you've drifted. Not that that you've moved away. But you have left your first love. Now upon reading this, you know, first time, I think it might be very easy for us to see this as a simple, harsh judgment that God is giving to the church of Ephesus. But what I actually see in this passage, as much as there is this judgment, is that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And God in His kindness is reminding the church of a truth that he is recognizing in them that is a danger that is taking them away from his presence. And what I, the reason that I read verse 5 is because then he gives them a means to return to him. You see, church, I believe that just like this church in Ephesus, many of us are doing very good things, but we could be prone to leave our first love. That spark that led us to the things of God. That spark that first existed when we first got saved. When you could barely contain it. When everything within you overflowed and was bubbling up with excitement about the things that God was about to do. I know that as a human being, we are prone to wander from the things of God. And what I see in this passage is not just the judgment of God. But I see His kindness towards the church of Ephesus. I see his kindness towards us. That he would call him back, call us back to himself. And in fact, what I believe is that God is constantly calling us back into right relationship with him. God is calling you back into right relationship with him. You might not even realize it. If you stopped and took an assessment of yourself, and you thought an inventory of yourself, and you, and you really looked at it and, and thought about, am I, am I, am I kind of, if I drifted from the things of God, am, am, I in, am, I, am I after Him? Am I passionate about the things of God like I used to be? I think many of us here today could say no. And if that's the answer in your heart, I would like to propose to you that that is not the judgment of God saying, how dare you, but that is the grace of God that is calling you back into relationship with Him. God is constantly calling us back into right relationship with Him. There's a saying that I have that you're going to hear a lot here at Life Church, and that's this. The glory of God 
is revealed in restoration. Okay? It's not revealed in his great judgments. It's revealed in how God can, in spite of our sin, in spite of our failure, in spite of how we leave our first love, he still draws us in and calls us back. And church, I believe that he's calling us back today. God is calling us back into right relationship with him today. Today, I want to provoke you to pursue. The question is, how do we rekindle our love for God? And I love that in here, he gives us a method. He says, repent, which means to turn away from where we are and to turn back towards him. He gives us a method here. How do we rekindle this love? Well, last week, a few weeks back, we talked about um, one of the prerequisites of entering the presence of God is purity. We talked about Psalm 24. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? You as clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up their soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. And then it goes on to say, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And we talked about how the, the call there is not necessarily that we need to be perfect, but that we need to be in pursuit of his presence. Right? Not perfect, but in pursuit. Somebody say, not perfect, but in pursuit. In pursuit of his presence. We go after the things of God. And then last week, Pastor Mike called us back to the gathering. And I loved how it says it in the New Living. The reason I read it in the New Living is because it kind of unpacks that idea of first love. Not just to mean just for the presence of God, but also for those around us. To have love rekindled for people around us. And I felt like that message last week was so good, Pastor Mike, to call us back into a love for each other. Which is that we fall in love with the people of God. So how do we rekindle our love? What are some tools that God has given us? And uh, as your pastors, Tanya and I, firmly believe that one of the greatest tools that God has given us to do this is worship. Is worship. So, what this is going to look like over the next two weeks after this, so three weeks, is we are going to take some time to communicate and uh, begin to impart to you our culture of worship here at Life Church. If you've ever wondered... Why do they sing those songs like 50 times on a Sunday morning? What's going on there? I'm getting a little tired. If you've ever wondered, why do we take time to sing when we gather together as a church? We're going to try to answer those questions. There's an intentionality behind what we do because we believe that worship is a vehicle that brings us into the presence of God. So let me just unpack this idea of worship, because whenever you talk about worship, you have to give a definition, you have to explain it. One thing I want to say is that Life Church, we value worship. We have a list of eight values, and this is the second one in the list, which is we value worship. We are a Holy Spirit-led church who live to see God glorified in all things. One big idea that I want to throw at you is that we were actually created to worship. As beings, we are worshipers. Now, I said up here that we are created to worship God. That's true. But in general, as human beings, we are created to worship. And you will worship something. Everybody will worship something. It's just the way that we were designed. You're gonna, you're, you might worship your money. You might worship relationships. You might worship the Vancouver Canucks. Who are playing today, by the way, 4 o'clock just so you all know. I'm a big fan. You might worship a good burger. I don't know. You might worship good food. You might worship, I don't know. But we were created to worship. 
And I would say, I would say one of our big ideas here is that we were created to worship God. Oh, I love how, um, I forget who it is who says this, but he says, I am restless until I find my rest in you. Who says that again? That's uh, a great Christian philosopher. <laughs> um, and he says this, I am restless until I, rest, I find my rest in you. We were created to worship him. We were created. There's this God-shaped hole within us. Ecclesiastes says he set eternity in our hearts. And we are not fulfilled or whole until we are connected into that, the one that is eternal. Isaiah 43 verse 21 says, This people I have formed myself, they shall declare my praise. 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So God has called us to worship him. God has, 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 has drawn us out to worship and, and to glorify him. And can I just say this? Worship is so much more than a song. Can we just clarify that right now? Um, I love this definition from the great worship leader, modern worship leader, Darling Check. She says this, true worship is not about the songs, the vocals, the band, or the choir. All of those things contribute towards a great expression of worship. But the essence of worship is when your heart and soul and the core of your being connects with and adores the Spirit of God. So I think oftentimes we limit this idea of worship to the song service. We limit it and we think, well, that, that's, that's just what it is. But it's actually so much more than that. It's a lifestyle. It's, I love this word expression. It says it so well because it's to make known your thoughts and feelings. So this expression, we talked about this when we talked about the value of worship. It can exist in a, 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 a lifestyle of worship, the way that you live your life. It can exist in your service, the way that you serve others is, is an expression of worship. Can I tell you some of the greatest worship leaders in our church aren't on the stage on Sunday morning? Man, they show up here at 8 o'clock in the morning to help us set up, and they're, they're giving with all their heart, and this is an act of worship unto the Lord, right? Um, and then we can also worship in song, and there's something powerful that happens when we worship in song. Worship is the overflow of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and it's a response to what? To what is known. Worship is the overflow of our thoughts, feelings, and, and emotions. It's an expression and it is a response to what is known. So just to clarify something about worship, because I think sometimes worship gets a bad rap. I think a lot of times we think about, you know, worshipers as being kind of these like out there, airy, fairy people. Oh, I'm feeling it today. So I'm going to sing about it today. Now I'm feeling sad. Now I'm really happy. Right? And it's like this is like airy-fairy thing. No, no, no. Worship is not based on a feeling or an emotion, but it's based on something. It's a response to something that is known. I think it's important that we recognize that. It's an overflow. I want you to talk about that word overflow. Psalm 45 verse 1 says, My heart overflows with a good theme. I recite my, recite my competition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. It's this overflow idea. One of the best ways I can express this is the way that I love my kids. You know, there's times where I come in and I just want to strangle my kids. But, no judgment, come on. I'm a human. But more often than not, I'll come in and I'll see my little breezy girl. 
or I'll see my big boy Josiah in the back, and I'll see my awesome Ashlyn Rain, and my first response is, oh man, look at what God did. Look at these amazing kids. And there's just this thing in my heart that just kind of starts to overflow, and the, one of the ways that I express that is with a bear hug. And I'll grab, you know, mostly now my breezy girl, because she's the youngest and the smallest, but I'll be like, breezy, and she'll turn around, and yeah, and I'll be like, I want to give you a bear hug. And she'll come up to me, and I'll grab, and I'll pick up that little cute little bundle of awesomeness, and I'll just put my arms around her, and I'll squeeze as tightly as I can, because it's an expression of love to my daughter. It's this overflow of something that I know that I love my kids, and I'm for them, and I just want to show them that every single day. Even before Josiah goes to bed at night, what do we do, bud? We always give each other a big hug, right? Say goodnight, bud. I love you. Because I just want them to know I love my kids. It's this overflow. In that case, worship is an expression of an emotion of love. But, 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 but where does it come from? Where does this emotion come from? Where does this overflow come from? It actually doesn't come from just a feeling. It comes from something that is known. Something that is firm. Church, we have a firm foundation. We're not just a bunch of airy-fairy out there. Whatever we feel, we follow. No, no, no. There is something that is known, that is a foundation that we come back to, and we respond to that which, of which is known when we worship Him. It's not airy-fairy, but rational and, rational and reasonable. That is where worship is not driven by emotion, but it is based on a greater reality. And what is that reality, church? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. This is a firm foundation. This is what we build our lives upon. This reality is what is known, and we respond to what is known as we worship Him. We value the Word of God. We build our lives on His Word. It's this idea from Philippians 3.10 that says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death. And in that, in that passage, the word knows, the word gnosis, which is to have intimate knowledge of. Church, can I tell you, knowing him will result in worship. Knowing him will result in worship. It's a response to him. Bob Sorge says it this way, Our worship is no higher than our knowledge of God. See, just like in any relationship, okay, worship is not always an emotional burst, but it is often a joyful discipline. So what does that look like? I come in on a Sunday morning. I'm tired. I'm haggard from the week. I'm just not feeling it. And then they start singing in front of me. Why are you singing? There's joy in the house of the Lord. And at some point, you have to choose. Am I going to align myself this morning with the reality that I know from the Word of God, or am I going to let my feelings dictate what I'm going to do this morning? And you got to make a choice. No, today, I know that this is more real than what I'm feeling. I know that this Word is stronger than what I'm facing right now. I know that the promises that are found in, found in here are a firm foundation, and they are yes and amen towards me, so I align my thinking with the Word of God. 
And so I sing as an act of faith towards the Lord. What is faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And so when we sing these songs, we align ourselves with the truth of His Word, and God has the opportunity to change something in our spirit and in our heart. To give us a right relationship with Him. To give us a right perception of who He is. Worship is an intellectual response as well as an emotional response. Graham Kendrick says this, Worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from feelings which come upon you, but it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. We choose to worship Him. Now we mentioned that worship is an expression. And the expression of worship is not limited to music or a musical expression, but over the next few weeks, we want to focus on the musical expression of worship in our corporate gatherings. Now, to be clear, music is not worship. We talked about this earlier, right? But music is a vehicle or tool to remind us of the reality of the truths of God and who He is. Now, is there a biblical precedence for this? So obviously, we build our lives on His Word. We go back to what is known. Well, yes, in fact, there is. Um, you know, looking it up, um, some manuscripts or some scholars say that, that the word sing is mentioned 400 times in the Bible. Of those 400 times, 50 of those are commands. Sing to the Lord. We just, this morning, my goodness, God is already moving. Pastor Ev's first scripture said, sing to the Lord. Uh, my dad got up and gave a word. That word said, sing to the Lord. It's in the Bible. We also have, um, we have examples of this with David. We have examples of this with Jesus himself. Before they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that they gathered together and sang a hymn together before they went. So this idea of singing is this biblical idea, and, and why is it there, and, and how does it impact us, and why do we sing these songs? And that's what we're going to try to answer here in the next 10 minutes. We can do that. If you can give me 15, that'd be even better. Are you with me? All right, here we go, guys. Let's get practical. Let's get really practical. One of the things that I found very fascinating is that I began to look into how music impacts us. I found that what the modern psychologists and counseling community have discovered about music line up with the Word of God. And what I discovered is I did a little bit of Googling, and I found a blog about, um, about worship, or about music, pardon me, and how it enhances your well-being. So this morning, I'm going to use that as my outline, and I'm going to list the ways that music enhances your well-being, and then I'm going to show you the scriptural uh, uh, link to those truths and how God uses music to impact our lives. I've got six of them. Are you with me? Here we go. Number one, how does music impact our well-being? Number one, music can boost your mood. See, research has proven the link between music and our mood. Listening to your favorite song can cause a release of dopamine into the brain that can help to prevent depression. Biblical link, tie-in, Psalm 33, verse 1 through 3. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise Him. Sing a new song of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp. Sing with joy. James 5, 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Come on. When we sing the song of the Lord, when we sing out, uh, the music can impact our, our emotions, it can impact us, and it's a way, it's a tool that God has given us to reformat and to reshift our mind back into uh, a, a pursuit of the presence of God. If you're having a rough day, 
I don't recommend that you put on depressing music. Anybody ever have one of those days? I just want to lean into this. I remember this guy one time, I was an intern, and, and um, he was into like the popular music of the day, and, and there was this song that was out, and, and it can impact your emotions, and I remember he was really feeling depressed and down, and there was this really popular song, and, and it went like this. I'm not recommending these songs, by the way. I'm just going to give you this as an example, okay? It went, and I don't want the world to see me, because I don't think that they'd understand. This whole song went like this, right? And so I was talking to him, I'm like, hey man, how you doing? He's like, man. I just don't think that people see me. You know? I just don't feel like anybody understands me. The song was impacting his emotions. The song was impacting the way that he was interacting with other people. Instead, put on a song of worship that glorifies and and magnifies God. That speaks of the joy of the Lord that we have in Him. We've got these old songs about this. You all know these ones? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart, down in my heart, right? And we got these new songs about this. Joyful. There's that song, um, um, Well, I woke up in the morning, shining through. You know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's great songs that express the joyfulness that we have in God. Man, fill your mind with that. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Get some songs about the truth of God in you. It will change your life. It will change your perspective. It will shift the atmosphere in the car that you're in. It will shift the atmosphere in your home. Come on, fill our house. Let our, let our homes be filled with, with worship, with music and praise. It changes our mood. Number two, music can enhance your attention and focus. This is the, from the article. Music has also been shown to improve focus and attention and boost mental performance when studying or working on a task. What does this look like for us in worship? When we sing songs about the Lord, it helps us to push past distractions and life challenges and set our focus on Him. Colossians 3.2 says this, Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. When we sing these songs, it helps us to put our focus hyper on Him. Psalm 138 verse 1, a song of David, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I love this one because this is an in-your-face passage. This is a, hey, there's all these little gods that are sneaking up on me today. My bills are sneaking up on me. These other things that are, you know, trying to clamor for my worship. These distractions, these other things. And this is David saying, hey, in your face, devil, I'm going after the things of God. I'm going to praise him with all my heart. I'm going to give him all I have. I'm going to give him all my worship. And when you do that, it sets your mind and your focus on the things of God. It says you're minding your focus on Him. One of the reasons that we start our service, our worship service, and by the way, preaching of the Word is also a part of worship. I just feel like this is an extension of it. But when we come in and we sing musical songs, when we sing worship and we sing these songs, it helps us to focus our mind on the Lord. How many of you there's so many distractions when you come in on a Sunday morning? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Is it just me? Are you guys like super focused and ready when you come in on a Sunday morning? I find that there's so many distractions that are pulling for our attention. And for us to be able to have this tool of worship and song to turn our minds back to the truth of who God is, is a gift that he has given us. Amen? Number three, music can help to recall fond memories. Music has been proven to be, uh, to transport us to the past and can allow us to recall fond memories. This because listening to the same music repeatedly creates associations in our brain with the emotions experienced while listening to that music. Also, music can help us to recall uh, truths and realities. How many know this one? 
Right? H I J K L M N O P. Easiest way to learn. How about this one? Anybody have an emotion attached to that one? Maybe a connection there? Or how about the worship songs that we sing? I find it amazing how these songs can transport us back to a moment where we connected to the Lord in a way that was so meaningful and real to us. How great thou art. You know, one that I was thinking about the other day for me is, um, in your all I want. Remember that one? Your all I've ever needed. Your all I want. Help me know you are near. I remember singing that to the Lord as a 16-year-old, just saying, I don't even know what that means, but I just know that there's something to that and something's connecting to me and the Spirit of God is there and I need you, Lord. It helped to set me on a trajectory and a path that led me to where I am today. Music can connect into your memories. I, I, there's, there's CDs that I still have that if I put them on, and who's got a CD player anymore, but I, I, I don't know. But, but if I put it on Spotify, I can hear the songs and I can be transported back to places. I remember listening to that CD when I was in, you know, Hawaii. I remember hearing that song when I was over here. I remember, you know, and it just, it brings you back to those places. Music has the ability to bring us back to places where we've connected to him. Psalm 81, 9 verse 1 says, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear your faithfulness. Come on, I will sing of it. Number four, music can promote relaxation and restful sleep. Playing some calming music may be just what you need when you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and perhaps unable to get restful sleep. Where do we see this in the scripture? There's a great example of this in 1 Samuel 16, 23, where David would play before King Saul. The Bible would say that Saul's spirit was was provoked, and, and so it was whenever the spirit of God was, this spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. And then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Music can cast out the enemy. Music can bring peace into your mind. A really practical example of this, lullabies. I remember when my kids, when my little Josiah was just like this big. And I could just smell it right now as I, I would hold him. And I used to be in these dark rooms in the back of the church where there'd be meetings going on. And my job was to sing them lullabies to get them to go to sleep. And I remember just, Jesus, I'm so in love with you. And I'd just sing it over him as I'd walk. And just let the presence of God come and fill that room. Just calm him and settle him down. Jesus, I'm so in love with you. And I just sing over him the truth of the reality of God and, and just these lullabies of life and, and, and connection to God. And it would settle him down and it would create peace. Music can bring peace in your heart. If you're troubled and you're downcast, I just want to encourage you, what are you listening to? What are you consuming? What are you taking in? If you put in the, 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 the music that speaks about the greatness of God, it can refocus your mind back on the things of God and can help to bring you peace in what you're facing. Okay? Here's the next one. Music can boast, or boost, pardon me, motivation and energy. 
Most people find that exercise is much easier when listening to music. This is because fast-paced, upbeat music increases your heart rate and gives you a burst of energy, fueling and motivating and maximizing performance. We have this saying that the pathway to God is a well-worn path. And, and when, we do, when, we, when we lead people in worship, there's typically a formula of sorts that we will follow, and it's this. It's from Psalm chapter 100, verse 4. It says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his holy name. What is our purpose on Sunday morning? It's to encounter the presence of God. It's to care for and bring people to Jesus. And so one of the ways that we do that is through our worship. And you'll often notice that we don't start with an intense, kind of quiet, worshipful song, but we often start with praise because we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. This is intentional. We do this on purpose because there's something about music that lifts up our spirits and lifts up our heads and lets us focus on things that are greater than ourselves. Come on. So we sang this morning, you know, there's joy in the house of the Lord. You know, I, I think we need to get some dancing back. Come on. You remember the old ones? Remember? My Redeemer lives. Remember that one? My Redeemer lives. The one I sang earlier, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. It can bring up your mood. It can boost it. It can increase it. It can get you excited and get your energy up. Psalm 150 verses 1 through 6 says, praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for all his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. The guitar. Thank you very much. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and the flutes. Praise him, the keyboards, come on. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Clang, clang, clang. And praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. And here's the last one. Music can cultivate connection. And this is the, the statement in here. Music is universal. It brings people together from all walks of life. It doesn't really matter what language you speak or where you're from. Music is a language that all of us can understand. It brings people together at concerts, at places of worship and celebrations. Research has even found that listening to music can trigger the release of oxy, uh, oxytocin. <laughs> Thank you, the oxytocin, the love hormone. Ooh. That helps us in developing empathy, trust, and compassion for others. There's something powerful that happens when we gather together to sing the same song towards our great king. Do you know that when you sing that song, you are actually not just singing to yourself, but you're prophesying to the people around you? That when you come in on a Sunday morning and you're feeling down, if you make the choice that morning, I'm going to worship God no matter how I'm feeling, that might not just be for you. But as you sing that song, you might be singing in such a way that it blesses the person beside them and gets their attention and makes them realize, oh my goodness, I need to worship like that person. I need to turn my mind to them. And maybe that moment will be the thing that sets them free. Maybe that moment will be their moment of breakthrough. Maybe that moment will be their moment of healing where God delivers them and they didn't even know it. What are some examples of this? Um, when we sing the national anthem together, we often do it together and it creates this feeling of connection with each other. Um, there was a, a study that was done um, a while back. I actually initially found this in Newsweek. 
but on Science Daily, they talk about this idea that when people sing together, one of the things that tends to happen is heartbeats are actually synchronized. So that the pulse of the members tend to increase and decrease in unison. There's this powerful thing that happens physiologically as well as psychologically and in the spirit when we worship together. When we glorify his name together. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of God dwell richly in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. So you say, why music? Okay, God designed it, and this is what it helps us to do. Again, what is the call? Come back to, my first, to your first love. Come back into the presence of God. What is a tool or a vehicle that God has given us to help us to do that? I believe, church, one of the tools and vehicles he's given us is worship and musical worship. And as we close today, I want to just give you three more things. And this is how musical worship helps us rekindle our love for Jesus and for others. The first one is that worship takes our mind off of ourselves. Paul David Tripp says, corporate worship is a regular, gracious reminder that it's not about you. You've been born into a life that is a celebration of another. I think the greatest freedom that I've ever experienced is when I'm not thinking about myself. You ever tried to go into a conversation where all you're thinking about is yourself? Like, oh man, is my breath really bad? Oh, shoot. You know, oh, did Tanya, did I get that zit that Tanya told me to get earlier? Oh, my goodness. And then you're talking to somebody, all you can think about is zit, 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 and you're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> One of the things I love about being married is that the only person that I need to impress is sitting right there. Once she's impressed, I'm good. I'm good. But, but this is the thing. One of the greatest gifts that God can give us is to help us to stop thinking about ourselves. And worship allows us to do that. It allows us to set our minds on things that are greater than ourselves. Um, Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Amen. Number two, worship reminds us of who God is. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. When we worship, we're telling our souls, we're giving notice to our souls that we are going to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We are giving notice to the worries and fears in our lives that they must flee because we are followers of the great king and lord of all. We're giving notice to sickness within our bodies that it must go because we are worshiping the healer, the one who saves our souls. Psalm 89, verse 1, I sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I make known your faithfulness to all generations. We read that one earlier. Worship reminds us of who God is. Oh, man, I would have lost hope had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And God, I'd forgotten how good you are. 
Man, when I was singing that song that more this morning, it just reminded me of how good you are. It just reminded me of your faithfulness. It just reminded me that you're for me. It just reminded me deep down inside that you've got this and that you're not surprised by this and that you're with me and that you've got a plan for my life. And I just, I just sense that deep down inside of me as I sing the songs this morning. Allow them to remind you of who God is. And here's the last one. Worship makes room for God's presence. Psalm 22, verse 3, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. And that idea of enthroned is, is actually the Hebrew word yasab, which means to inhabit or to abide. We often say when we read that scripture, you are enthroned in the praises of your people, or you live in or abide in the presence of your people. And Ralph Mahoney says it this way, whenever his people gather and worship him, God promises that he will make his presence known in their midst. On the other hand, where God's people consistently neglect true spiritual worship, his manifest presence is rarely experienced. You are enthroned in the praises of his people. Life Church, I want us to be a people who go after the presence of God. I want us to be a people who hear his call to us to return to our first love and see it not as judgment. How dare we? But as the mercy of God calling us back into his presence. And so this morning, I believe that God is calling to you. And I believe that there's an opportunity for you to respond. I'm going to ask my beautiful wife to come up on the keyboard as we close. And how are we going to respond this morning? In worship. That's right. So can we all stand together? If you don't mind, I'm going to move back as well into my guitar. And we're going to worship the living God. And we're going to put to practice the things that we've heard about this morning. Praises God. 
Father, we respond to you this morning. Father, we hear your cry, calling us back into right relationship. Every day you're calling us back. And God, we respond by saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we are here. Yes, Lord, have your way. Yes, Lord, move in our hearts. Yes, Lord, change our lives. Yes, Lord, help us to fall more in love with you. Yes, Lord, renew our minds. Yes, Lord, heal our bodies. Yes, Lord, have your way. Father's life, church, we say yes, Lord. We say yes to you, Lord, and we respond to you. The great King and Lord of all, majesty enthroned. Our ruler, our savior, our Redeemer and our King, we say yes. We respond to you, Lord. Have your way. <laughs> 